Father, I ask now that as we look at your word, you would speak to our hearts and speak to our minds and show us how you see us so that we might understand ourselves and everyone around us a little better. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please, please be seated. So today we're going to look at a, a two stories that are, might be familiar to some of you. They're two stories from the life of Jesus, two encounters he had, and I think they're both kind of enigmatic when they stand on their own, but what's interesting to me is that in the Gospel of Mark, these two famous stories, the story about Jesus' encounter with the uh, little children, and then the story of Jesus' encounter with the rich young ruler, these two stories are right next to each other, and I think even though the stories on their own are hard to understand, when you see them next to each other, it sheds light on both of them. And so, if you want to follow along, it's printed in your program. I'll read it from Mark chapter 10. People were bringing little children to Jesus in order that he might touch them, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw it, he was indignant, and he said to the disciples, let the little children come to me. Don't stop them, because the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. After taking them in his arms, he laid his hands on the children and he blessed them. As he was setting out on the journey, a man ran up, knelt down before him and said, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus asked him. No one is good except God alone. You know the commands, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. He said to him, teacher, I've kept all these from my youth. Looking at him, Jesus loved him and he said, you only lack one thing. Go, sell everything you have, give it to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. But he was dismayed by this demand, and he went away grieving because he had many possessions. This is God's word for God's children this morning. So, like I said, these are two famous stories, I think two pretty familiar stories, people who, uh, you know, they're, they're sort of among Jesus' top hits, and they're both kind of inscrutable. They both confuse us, especially if you think you know what Jesus was all about, because on the one hand, he says, well, you've got to become like a little child or you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. And it's like, well, what does that even mean? And then someone comes to him and says, well, what must I do to be saved? And rather than Jesus giving him, just saying, well, just believe, he says, well, sell everything you have, give it to the poor, and then we can talk. And it's, it's kind of like, how does that go with the story of, uh, you know, we're saved by grace alone through faith alone and things like that. Uh, but these stories, I think, put together shed light on what Jesus came to do. And that's why, Jesus, why, why the, the writer of this story, Mark, puts these two right next to each other so they can each shed light on each other. And so the first thing I want you to see is how the followers of Jesus see things. And I, I say this because this is kind of what I fall into. And maybe some of you who consider yourself a follower of Jesus, maybe you've fallen into this at from time to time, but Jesus, the disciples come up, 
or these children are, are gathering around Jesus and all these parents, all these mothers and fathers are bringing these little kids to Jesus and the disciples are shooing them away. Now the disciples, at this point, Jesus was becoming famous, Jesus was get, attracting a crowd and they considered themselves like his entourage, you know, they were his gang and they were trying to control access to him and, and regulate who could get close to him. And, uh, and their mindset was Jesus was too busy and he was too important and these kids were too unruly and they were just getting in the way of everything he was going to do. And then the disciples think they've really scored something. They've really figured something out because they find a rich, powerful, important guy and he wants to talk to Jesus. They're like, we're going to take you to the front of the line, mister. And so they're like, this is going to be really good. You know, because when we bring this guy, he, he's rich, and so maybe he can help us out a little bit, and he probably knows some other rich people who can help sponsor us, and he's a ruler, so he's powerful, he's got connections to the strings of power, and so that, that'll be great, because he can, he, he can connect us, he can help us get through some of the difficulties we have, and he's a young man, so he's influential, so we'll, we'll get this... We'll, we'll have this guy on our team. This is exactly the kind of guy we need, we need to take Jesus to the next level. And uh, that's how the followers of Jesus were looking at, at, at people. They said, well, th these, these people are not important. They can't do anything for us, so let's keep them away. But then this guy, he is important. He's powerful. He's wealthy. He's got a lot to offer. So let's... So let's glom on to him. Let's get him into our group. And, you know, I think it's just, it's only human. You know, if you're human, all, all of us, we, we tend to do that. We fall into that, that trap of seeing people and putting people into those categories. And uh, it's kind of normal. You know, if a, a little kid wants to talk to the president of the United States, he's probably not going to get through unless it's a photo op. But if it's a foreign leader who, wants, who needs to get a message to the president, it's going to get through because they consider him important. But that's the way we look at people. Now I want to show you how Jesus looks at people. Jesus' view of people is completely different than the way that we look at people. The first thing he does is he challenges this rich guy. This rich guy, he's, he's, he says, just keep the commands. And the rich guy says, well, I keep all the commands. All of these rules I've obeyed. I've never murdered anyone. I've never committed adultery. I don't steal. I don't lie. I'm not a fraud. I honor my father and mother. I do all these good things. Jesus says to him, really? Why do you call me good? Who is good except God alone? And so, so Jesus says, well, let's test how good you really are. Why don't you just go ahead and do this? Sell everything. Give it to the poor and then come back and you can follow me and we'll see how we can work things out. Now I want you to notice something that's important here. Jesus doesn't say, well, it's going to cost you everything you have. You know, transfer all your assets over to me and then follow me and we can work this out. Jesus says to this guy, you know what, I can't even work with you. I can't even include you until you divest yourself of all your assets. Just give it away to the poor people. Give it away to people who need it more than you do and then... And then we'll, we'll work things out from there. Okay, so G Jesus says to him, Jesus says to him, you know, we can't make a deal. We're not going to enter into a partnership. And, uh, but when you have nothing and you come to me, then you can follow me. Then you can, then we can talk. 
Jesus is saying to him, there's nothing you can do to qualify for this movement I'm starting, but what you really need to have is nothing. And the thing that's keeping you from following me is the fact that you have too much. What can I do to inherit eternal life is kind of the wrong question because the answer is there's nothing you can do. And the problem with this rich guy is he was so full of himself he couldn't receive the gift that God wanted to give him. The rich guy said, let's make a deal. What's the price? Can we negotiate a partnership or something like that? And Jesus says, there is no deal. There is no price. This isn't going to be a partnership if you're going to follow me. All you need is need. All you need is nothing. You can't experience Jesus because you bring too much to the table. So contrast that to how the Jesus views the little children. The parents were bringing the children to Jesus to touch them, and, and, and that's all they wanted, just that Jesus would come, to, that, that the children would be brought to Jesus, that he would be able to bless them. And Jesus commends them. He says, that's the right thing to do. Here's a, you know, the Bible doesn't tell us too much about how to parent children, but here's one thing it says, is bring the kids to Jesus. Ask God to bless the children, and he will. And, but think about that. What, what, what's the connection there? What do these children have to offer Jesus and his disciples? Nothing. What can they do for him? Nothing. What can the parents offer Jesus and his disciples? You know, the parents' hands are full with these kids. They, don't, they, they, they can't help either. But Jesus embraces them. He touches the children, and he blesses them. Not because they have something to offer. He blesses them, and he touches them precisely because they have nothing to offer. That's what they bring to the table. The disciples say, get these kids out of here. They're not helping us fulfill our agenda. Jesus says, wait a minute. These kids are the agenda. This is what we're here for, and this is what we came to do. And so Jesus touches the kids. Jesus places his blessing on the kids. We talked about the blessing of God a couple weeks ago, but let me refresh your memory. You know, the blessing of God is a thing that everybody here wants, what all of us are looking for. And most of us, the reason we don't get it is because we're looking in the wrong place and we're looking for the wrong thing. We're looking for the blessing of success, the blessing of popularity, the blessing of romance, or whatever it might be that, that will fulfill the gaping need inside of us. But what we need is the blessing of God. And what we actually want is the blessing of God. And what we're really striving for is to find somehow the experience of the blessing of God. But that only comes through Jesus. Like this story, they were bringing their children to Jesus to have him bless them. Because the rules of blessing, remember, are this. You don't bless yourself. You can't bless yourself. You need to be blessed by someone else. You can't earn the blessing of God. You don't deserve the blessing of God. You're not entitled to the blessing of God. But if the blessing of God comes to you as a gift, you can receive the blessing of God. You know, the disciples said to the kids, get out of, the, get out of here. You're, not, you're, you're, you're in the way of us accomplishing our mission. Jesus says to the rich guy who wanted to make a deal with him, you've got to get out because you're getting in the way of my mission. So the promise here is when we come to Jesus as children, I mean, Jesus has strong words here. He says, truly I tell you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. You know, we think we can only learn from, from the wise and the learned, but really there's a lot of the most important lessons we can only learn 
if we understand the perspective of the little children. So let me bring that to the final point is this, or question is this, how do you see yourself? It's interesting, the rich young ruler, he went away sad, but why did he go away sad? Look at the very last verse there, verse 22. He went away dismayed by this demand, and he went away grieving because he had many possessions. That's kind of surprising to me because I actually thought that having many possessions and being rich and being successful was the key to success, was the key to happiness. But this guy is wealthy. This guy is powerful. He's got many possessions, and that's actually what makes him sad. What I, that's actually what keeps him from experiencing Jesus' love and keeps him from experiencing God's God's power in his life. Isn't that ironic? You know, I mean, as we go through life, you hear stories about someone who wins the lottery and suddenly they got $100 million dropped on their lap and you think to yourself, wow, if that happened to me, I would, I would be set. Or you, you turn on, if you're into sports, you turn on SportsCenter and you hear about the latest athlete who got offered a $100 million contract to play baseball or football or whatever. You say, boy, that's the life that I want. If I had that, then all of my problems would go away. But the reality is that if you have more money, it just magnifies your problems. Like the saying goes, more money, more problems. Yeah, you know that, but you can't live that. And, uh, you know, I'm, I heard someone put it this way this week. You know, a lot of people who have drug problems, the only thing that keeps them alive is that they run out of money. If you give someone who's got a an addiction to cocaine, for example, a million dollars, they'll probably be dead in a week because the only constraint is, is there the money because all money does is it reveals what's already inside of you. It, it allows you, it takes away the restraints from, from making you what you want to be. And the problem with this rich guy is he comes to Jesus and his, really his security is in his money, his security is in his power, his security is in his and his importance in this world. And so he can't give that up. He can't lay that aside to go follow Jesus because he gets his identity in all of those things. As Jesus said in another place, no one can serve two masters, right? You'll either love one and hate the other or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And so the rich guy illustrates for us the danger and the liabilities of, of wealth. He's good, but he's not good enough to be entitled to the blessing. He's rich, but he's not rich enough to buy the blessing. He's moral, but he's not moral enough to not need God's grace. The thing that keeps you from experiencing God's grace, the thing that keeps you from experiencing God's power in your life often is your goodness, often is your moral achievement, often is your self-sufficiency. And that's what cause this guy to walk away sad. Jesus doesn't actually need anything from you except for you to see that you need him. And then look at the, the, the little children. He says, unless you become like these children, unless you learn the lesson of these children, you actually can't enter into the kingdom of heaven. You know, that's a strong statement. That's about as tough a statement, I think, as Jesus says in the whole Bible, unless you figure out how to become like a little child, there is no place for you in the kingdom of heaven. And that's what the rich guy did not get. 
Jesus doesn't come into our life because he needs something from us. Jesus doesn't come into our life to offer us a partnership or to have us work for him. He came to offer us a gift. And one of the things I've noticed as I've gotten older, have you noticed that around gift-giving time, gift-giving for adults is like awkward? I mean, have you ever had the experience where where you're like exchanging gifts with a friend and, and you open open what they got you and they're like, oh, wow, this is a nice, really nice coat. It's really awkward that I got you a candle, you know? <laughs> like, or someone gives you a present, you're like, wow, thank you for the present, but I really wasn't planning on getting you one this year. <laughs> I mean, it, it's, it, it's all... <laughs> It's always awkward, you know, for, for adults, we, we don't know how to deal with gift giving. We don't, we don't receive gifts well. And that's a problem because God's grace and God's love is only offered to those who can receive it as a gift. Have you noticed when you give a gift to a kid, there's none of those problems. Kids never say, Grandma, you got me too much stuff. <laughs> or this is too extravagant. Or, oh, you know what, I've opened half my Christmas presents and I'm kind of done. You know, kid, kids don't. Don't, don't do that because kids, right? You guys, have you ever had too many presents? Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. It's, it's really not the issue that you have. And kids, you know, the, the great thing about being a kid is, is you don't feel any obligation, right? You open these presents and all you have to do is say thank you. And, and, that's, and that, that's the only obligation that's connected to it. But uh, you got to understand that that's how Jesus invites us. There are no adults of God. There are only children of God. An adult comes and says, well, what does God want me to do? A kid knows how to come and simply receive God's grace and receive God's gifts. And if you, here's the thing you've got to understand. This is important because this is the heart of the gospel, is if you think that God's grace and God's love and God's reward is something that you can earn. If you think you have to follow rules to get it, if you think that, that uh, it's something you've got to pay for or buy, then you're not honoring God by that, by, make, by adding these rules to, to the faith. You're actually insulting God. You're actually, you're actually cheapening God's gift and God's grace to us. Because what the Bible says is... God's salvation is so expensive, there's nothing you can give to help defray the cost. It's so, God's standard is so high, there's nothing you can do to get closer to where God wants you to be. His, his way is so hard that there's absolutely no way you can get there in your own strength. And if you think you can, and if you're trying to, you're actually not honoring his gift, you're insulting his gift, you're diminishing his gift. What the Bible says is that the salvation that your heart needs, the blessing that you're longing for, is free to us because it was paid for in full by Jesus. And there's only one person who ever lived who earned that gift, and it was Jesus and the perfect life that he lived. It was Jesus and the payment of his life on the cross when he died, and it was Jesus and the power of his resurrection. And that's what you need. You need his perfection, you need his payment, and you need his power because you don't have it in and of yourself. And the way you honor God, the way you recognize his glory and your, his grandeur is simply to accept his grace 
as a gift. You don't add anything to the payment that Jesus made on the cross. You don't add anything to, to the perfection of his life. You don't add anything to the power of the resurrection. All you can add, all you have to give, is what, is what he gave you. You can't partner with him. You can't buy it. You can't win it. You have to understand that Jesus came and he bought it for us. It was paid in full by him. And it's available to you. It's available to me if you'll receive it the way a child receives a free gift. That's what he asks of you. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your grace to us when we were too broke and too weak and too guilty to redeem ourselves. You came and sent your son to be our redeemer. Help us to rest in that. Help us to experience that. Make that a reality for us, we pray in his holy name. Amen.